Hello and welcome to B2B Better, a podcast of the B2B marketer looking to be better than boring. My name's Jason. I'm a senior director of marketing for a tech company based here out of the not-so-sunny UK. And there's something you don't know about me. And that thing is that I am the biggest fan of the US office around. I have to apologize to my British colleagues. I even think it's better than the original. I know, sacrilege. The TV show from Ricky Gervais and adapted for US television by Greg Daniels is played in its entirety at least twice per year in the Bradwell household. For those of you who don't know, and really, if you don't, please go and watch it. You won't regret it. It's a mockumentary that follows the lives of a group of people that work in an office that sells paper. At face value, it sounds a little dull, but the office isn't about work. It's about finding the extraordinary in the ordinary. Over the course of nine seasons, you see characters meet, and they fall in love, and they get married, and they have kids, and they come out, and they pursue their passions. It's the full spectrum of those major life moments that many of us can relate to. And the cherry on the cake is it's bloody hilarious. That's why when I heard that Trainual, a software platform that helps businesses build playbooks to train and grow their team, had hired three of the actors from the office to semi-revive their roles from the show to promote the Trainual platform in a creative ad campaign, I just had to speak to them. I sat down with Jonathan Ronzio, CMO and founding partner, to get under the hood of how the ad came to be, the importance of thinking outside the box creatively in B2B in order to stand out from the noise, and how to find a link between your business and pop culture that makes sense. Here we go. Jonathan Ronzio, CMO and founding partner at Trainual, a platform that lets you effectively bring your new and existing employees up to speed on how you want to run your business. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing excellent. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thanks very much for uh, coming on to B2B Better. I'm happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about your role at Trainual. Trainual started um, inside of my brother's small business consulting firm. Um, he had a, a consultancy for a couple years. He was living out in Arizona, helping uh, a lot of small businesses with their systems and processes. And um, it's something that he had honed and refined through years of us working together, building a video production company where no matter where we showed up in, in the States, the production had to feel the same, right? There was a core group of employees, but we had production managers and videographers and all these different contractors everywhere, but we wanted that brand and experience consistency. And so he had really honed the the management perception of, of that through the years and then was helping other businesses with it. Um, it was in... Summer of 2017, he, he started thinking, uh, you know, that, that this little app that some of his clients were using to help like simplify and streamline onboarding had some potential and some legs. So we started talking. It was around a time where uh, I had spent a, nearly a decade as an adventure filmmaker and, and, you know, mountaineer, outdoor content creator, and was kind of burnt out on the expedition life. And so, uh, so I, I just decided to jump in and, and help with the brand and marketing and storytelling and really like put my my chops there on the production side to use for this. And then it was, uh, you know, January 2018 that we got it off the ground. So since then, you know, initially I was doing everything on the team and marketing. It was like whether it was the the website or the ads or the video or the, um, you know, the blogs or the newsletter, like anything marketing related and driving Mm -hmm. sales was coming from me. Um, And now fortunately we have built the team and we have, I think we're up to like 43 now. And so uh, a lot, a lot of support to, um, handle the, the bits and pieces of the moving, uh, you know, mechanisms in the business on a day to day. And I get to just have fun driving strategic vision and, and fun, creative, uh, ideas that, that help build the brand in the marketplace and, and establish us as the training leader that we are. 
We're here today to talk about one of the best uses of celebrity endorsements that I've ever seen in B2B marketing. So give us a little bit of a quick overview of the campaign that you ran with certain members of the cast of the US office. We ended up working with Leslie David Baker, um, who played Stanley in the US version of The Office, uh, with Kate Flannery, who played Meredith in The Office, and with uh, Brian Baumgartner, who played Kevin in The Office. And uh, we got the three of them, you know, there, there was no big budget production shoot. We didn't fly them anywhere. We didn't stage anything. Uh, we simply wrote very simple scripts. None of them recorded for longer than a minute or two minutes. It was just very simple to the point scripts that allowed them to not become their character, but play off of nuances and references from their characters in a fun way that tied back to the value prop of Trainual. And right, and it's interesting. Honestly, it was not intentionally that we went after three of the characters from the office that best represented the worst employees. Um, that just happened to to be, you know, who we ended up connecting with because we thought they would right. be a funny mix. Uh, yeah. That was realized after the fact. But like, of course, you know, Trainual is a tool that helps you train consistently and make it easy for everybody to get up to speed and know what they need to know and how to do things and keep them aligned and accountable. It's policies and SOPs. It's all that, right? Which is historically pretty dry. And uh, it's it's like you're, you're signing up for homework, right? A business owner or a, or a leader, documenting your processes and writing SOPs is like usually the last thing you really want to sit down to do. And so our take on this since the beginning was like, how do we make this seem easy and fun? And, and so that's like laying into the scripts that we sent to them to actually just take their phone and shoot a video and send back to us was just playing off their character, uh, you know, references. How do we make it seem like this would have been the solution for who they were, right? This would have helped those situations. And, and it was like, uh, you know, Brian saying, um, I, Eric, Brian, Kevin, right, and from the show, saying right. like I ne I never read the handbook, and he's he always wanted things to be like easy and simple, right? And then like Meredith, uh, of course, in the show, uh, you know, Kate playing Meredith, we we knew that she was always inappropriate and yeah. uh, and drunk and um and doing the the worst possible things in at the office and had a terrible attitude. And uh, Leslie, who played Stanley, um, he he was never engaged and like never wanted to be there. And uh, so we just had some fun with that on how to tie like what, you know, what our product delivers for a business back to their characters. And, and we just initially started working with Leslie. And then I, and then I thought like, man, how awesome would it be if we pulled a couple more of them in and stitched it together? Cause you don't really like ever see these characters in the same place anymore. And it's such right. a beloved show no matter where you are in the world, yeah, it's more popular in the office, that version of, uh, I mean, in the uh, States, that version of the office, but no matter where you are in the world, you know this show. And it's a cultural phenomenon, even a decade off the air, whatever it's been, uh, more than that. And so we thought, how fun would it be to just throw a few of them together in a quick clip for social? Um, and it, and it, it was awesome. It worked incredibly. I mean, it's just, it's such a great ad. And we're going to talk a little bit in a minute about kind of how it came together and how you ended up working with 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 those three, um, specifically on the day. But I mean, it was it was kind of perfect timing, really, when 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 you guys put it out there into the world, because it was kind of coinciding with, as you said, you know, the office is a cultural uh, masterpiece, right? And it is known globally. Um, it's on Netflix over here in the UK, uh, sorry, Amazon Prime over here in the UK, uh, you know, and 
the cast are now kind of starting to reemerge, you know, almost 10 years later. Like I think Brian's launched his own podcast. Um, Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey have launched their own podcast called The Office Ladies, where, you know, they're, they're kind of reliving those episodes and kind of giving you a behind the scenes peek of what really happened. There was some good news uh, with John Krasinski uh, that was going out uh, during when lockdown first happened. So it seemed like it was kind of perfect timing. It just kind of coincided with all this kind of reemergence of The Office, which is already a beloved TV show and people, and I'm, I count myself in this group of people, I'll work my way through the nine seasons and then I'll just start again. And it's kind of like, it's like the background noise, you know, when I'm cooking or when I just don't know what else to watch. So, I mean, you guys, you guys struck timing wise, just, you know, you, str- you struck it hot. It, I mean, that's, it's the same in my house. Like we, uh, my wife and I will watch whatever new series we want to watch, but it's like before bed when she's just looking for like a show that she can put on and not have to think about it's it like it's friends or the office and right. and that'll just perpetually be on in the background um and and so you're you're not unique in that and neither are we it's it's just a thing right it's i i don't think there's a second that goes by around the world that there's not an episode of friends playing right. uh it's it's just crazy so so i think just that, like understanding that right understanding how globally prevalent these shows and characters are and not just those but like I think nostalgia marketing is a huge emerging thing right now, um, and the more you can play back into some some of those, you know, the shows or the movies. Like I think I, I just saw a, a garage door opener company um, got got a couple of the characters um, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off to recreate like uh, the the scene where like the garage door opens and you see the Ferrari and. Um, and then I think there was one where, you know, Jeep did something with Bill Murray where they recreated uh, Groundhog Day for, That's right. right, where yeah. he's actually excited to relive it every single day where he gets in the Jeep. Um, I, there was another, a water company that did something with uh, with, with the guy from Princess, uh, Princess Bride. So I think yeah. it's, it's like fun to see some of these storylines reemerge because, it, you know, imagine if you were flipping through the, the channel or if you pulled up your phone after you listen to this podcast and you're scrolling through and then you see like, you know, Sean Astin uh reprising his role in the goonies and he's there with like chunk and he and they're like eating a snickers right like it would be hysterical and it's just fun because you know it and you loved it and it's a part of your life yeah absolutely i was just trying to google while you were talking because i just saw an ad come out the other day um which was with bruce willis and uh he brought back john mcclain from die hard to do an ad for a new kind of car battery so uh yeah you know it's as you say nostalgia marketing is hot and i think uh there's a there's a misconception that nostalgia marketing can only be effective in b2c when that's not true you know i think this whole podcast b2b better is about trying to help marketers you know be better than boring and trying to think outside the box when it comes to uh growing awareness lead generation um winning new business you know it doesn't always have to be trade adverts in trade magazines white papers lead generators it can be just really cool creative that taps into an emotional response with a b2b buyer because ultimately that's you know the b2b buyer is still a person and they've seen the office and if they can see that three of their you know favorite characters from the office are reprising their roles to you know talk about something they're going to spend 60 seconds or however long the ad was to listen to it right yeah i mean it was it was a 60 second ad and the view through was bonkers like when you're typically looking at you know 
Facebook judging views based on three seconds, that's not even a view. That's somebody scrolling and like looking away and then continuing to scroll, right? Right. And uh, and then through plays are 15 seconds. Like the actual like act 100% view rate on this was out of this world because people wanted to see these characters. Um, but yeah, you're you're totally right. I think that the what it comes down to is like B2B has historically thought too much about like what what are the you know we moved a little bit out of uh, from the feature feature battle into more of a benefits battle. But but even the benefits battle has uh, in the B2B landscape historically ignored uh, person-to-person conversation and still felt like it's talking to a business. It still felt more corporate. Um, even though it's talking about the, the solution that it solves for the business, it's like, you got to go a level deeper. What's the solution for the person, mm. right? And how do you talk to somebody as a person? Because that's, we we are, right? Just like you said, every every buyer for a business is is a human who has interests, who spends time doing X, Y, and Z and likes this and that. And there's a reason why I don't. I haven't looked at it like in the last week, but there's a reason why for like seven months straight, the top three apps on the iPhone globally were Zoom, YouTube, and TikTok. It's like people want to connect, learn, and laugh, and mm. and uh, it's a, there's a reason why The Office and Friends and all these shows are just like resonant with people. Um, and if you can play into that, then yeah, your, your brand is going to be more beloved. And it's just, it's a, you know, that people are spending their time here, right? That's where they are. And, and so if you can look like more of a friend in their feed, whether through your brand and your personality, uh, or the style of content contextual to the platform or the, just the, the cultural references that, you know, your, your audience persona is probably into, um, it definitely is a, is a better move than just like trying to show your software and what it does, like catch them where they are with what they care about and what they think about most of their day. Or even like even better when they disconnect from work, when they shut down the computer, what are they going to do? And how do you infuse yourself into that scenario? And that's where you need to stop thinking like a business. Absolutely. So I want to jump into a little bit about the logistics around the campaign itself. So how did you manage to get Leslie, Brian and Kate to agree to appear in your ad? Um, so Chris and I were out at TechCrunch Disrupt um, in I think early October of 2019. Um, we were there exhibiting in Startup Alley with Trainual and um, happened to see Leslie like his the Stanley cutout. Um, you know his like cartoon character version uh, that is <clears throat> made famous on his like pretzel package or whatever. Um, we saw that like on so- some other tables little promo. And it was just a print promo that was like using, they were giving away pretzels, like Leslie's pretzels or Stanley's pretzels. And we were like, oh, that's a, that's a clever like little little play. Um, and and it honestly, like we had just recently heard about uh, Cameo where you can actually like have a celebrity say happy birthday to a friend or something. And so um, you can't get, yeah, I think Cameo actually did just start rolling out like commercial use on some of their videos and some of the celebrities are opting to, to do that. But um at the time, like you couldn't run a cameo video commercially. So that was the, initially we were like, could we work with Leslie? Like that might be fun. And, uh, and so we looked on cameo, we found his profile and he had an an email just sitting there for like contact him for business inquiries. So we shot an email and ended up in conversation with his, uh, his business partner and, um, and then just kind of negotiated like a, a deal on a quick video that he sent us back and we used it in an Insta story, just him. And it, uh, it worked really well. And so then we're like, Hey, do you know, 
you know, can, can you connect us with Kate? Can you connect us with Brian? And, and it just happened like that. It was very, very organic in, in the conversation and just like, what, what could we do with a few more people? Um, but you know, we, we've started, we've since, uh, done a little bit more with contacting some celebrities outside of the office and some, uh, building some endorsement partnerships. Um, my best for, for the people that you can't just find an email and start that conversation, my best advice is get an IMDb Pro account. I'm in there all the time. And on IMDb mm-hmm. Pro, you just find the person that you want to work with uh, and their contact info is there for like their publicist, their agent, their talent rep, their, for commercials, for voice, for whatever you need. Um, and then just like send a pitch to those emails and try to have a conversation. Um, sometimes it'll be out of budget. Sometimes it'll be like perfectly aligned and they'll like bend a little bit to like work with you because if, you, if it sounds fun or if it's a unique idea or if it's right in line with what they're already promoting, um, so that, so that's, that's what I do a lot these days. Um, but that's, yeah, it just happened to be a, a quick email. It was all that started all this. So you mentioned there that you obviously reached out to Leslie's management, Leslie's agent. When you were pitching the idea, was it a kind of purely transactional conversation? So like we pay X and we get this amount of time of Leslie's or did they have to kind of be bought into the idea? No, I mean, we, we just pitched I think it was just because what we wanted was so simple right like we we weren't trying to go over and above and coordinate some massive production it was just like hey can can Leslie just like film a selfie video like saying a few lines that we send and you know what what might that cost and here's what we here's kind of the concept of what we're thinking about and a few of the, the lines that we might want them to do and then they were like yeah that sounds fun like let's let's do it <laughs> like all right cool and what I mean, you mentioned there that you sent over a couple of lines and or a script. What did that process look like of recording the segments? Like, were you sat on the other end of the phone, kind of hearing Leslie, uh, Kate, and Brian recite the lines and providing kind of feedback as they spoke? Did you just send the script over and, and let them send back a video? What did that kind of feedback process look like? Uh, it was very hands off. I, I it was legitimately sent via text. Um, I I just I sent. I wrote it out, whatever the lines are that you hear in the video, I wrote those out um, roughly, like he kind of riffed on things too. So I, I wrote like roughly the points I wanted him to hit in a text and then uh, the video was sent back later. That's it. I, we, we weren't on like live, like, you know, directing anything. It was just like, I trust them. They're professionals. Like I know they'll, they'll do it. Here's generally what I want them to speak to. Here's some lines they can run, you know, run with or riff on. And, and cool. Then we got the video back and, and then it was our video content creator, uh, Nick, uh, who actually like took the three and just kind of spliced them together and made the one narrative flow. So there wasn't any kind of like, it was just like a one take thing. There wasn't any kind of feedback after what they sent through and they had to do a re-record. It was just, here are the lines, do what you can. And then they sent it back and it was, it was what you guys needed. Yeah. Yeah. We got the video. Well, Leslie sent two videos, two versions. Uh, Brian and Kate sent one. And we were just like, this is great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, we can work with this. Did you learn anything in working with with them or I guess by, you know, really their management that you didn't know before? Something that, you know, as you are starting to kind of grow out your celebrity endorsements strategy, that's going to make the whole process easier next time? Hollywood uh, is is a strange place. <laughs> and the way the way that it works is extremely fast and and it's a lot more handshake kind of casual deals than you would anticipate unless you go like the uber traditional uh, you know routes with all the like the the typical agents and contracts and and stuff but um 
you know, like like if you're trying to coordinate a, a, a real production, then it's it's going to be a, a longer ordeal. But um, but yeah, it just surprised me how casual it felt. It was it was like we were just instantly connected to a friend and and just kind of like let's make it happen and let's make it happen quick and okay let's you know it was it just it had to be moved forward faster and with a lot more like hands off than i expected and what channels did you end up distributing the ad on obviously it went on places like your website but where else did it end up um yeah we we ran that on facebook and instagram primarily um it's on youtube but we didn't pay to promote it on youtube um we did all the paid promotion on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And you mentioned at the beginning that, you know, the purpose of the ad was to, in a creative way, kind of sell the benefits of the train your platform. What were the kind of tangible results that you saw off the back of the campaign? Did you kind of, were you able to attribute any impact on things like sales or revenue that could be, you know, attributed back to, to the ad? Engagement wise, just on a brand lift situation, right? It had... I, th- I think at this point, like over 20 million views, um, 26,000 shares, th- which is wild, right? It's like, who, who shares an ad? You see yeah. an ad in your feed, most of the comments are like, like, get off my Facebook feed, screw you, right? Like, and, and people are watching this, tagging other people. We're not even paying for that engagement. They're tagging other people, and then they're sharing it. So, like, just the, the engagement virality on it was nuts. Um, which you know, of course, built a retargeting audience for us. Anybody that clicked through, great. We're, you know, they're they're getting pixeled on on the site as a as a retargeting click through um, from the office ad to like actually see some other stuff. Like we built a um, a trainual account of like how to clean up chili that spills in the office floor, right? And and then there was like a little retargeting carousel ad that like people who watched this would have seen like inside the trainual platform step by step how to clean chili so just playing off the messaging again um we even if they didn't click through you know based on whether you want to uh, create an audience off of view through the 15 seconds or off of uh you know watch full watch which they measure at 95 uh, percent right now we've got different levels of who engaged with this do we need to show a different cut to the 15 second viewers who need to see the rest of it? Do we need to just then uh, reiterate the, the message of Trainual in, in a new fresh way to the people who watch 95% but didn't click? But we had a, a retargeting audience built on it of you know, the people that actually watched through uh, probably in the like eight to 10 million range, right? So traffic, engagement, all of that was nuts. Um, and then I'm not going to go into like the metrics on our like CAC and LTV and everything, but sure. the uh, the actual ad itself created over 2,000 new accounts for us. That's incredible. And I guess the feedback from both customers and what were prospects that became customers was was great, right? Yeah, it's it's so funny. You know, I like recently we I've been talking to a lot of customers, um, and and we've been just like pulling a, a sample of people that have been engaged in the last uh, nine months or something, and. Um, and then like, I, I want to talk to them directly. I want to ask like how they, wh- what's their experience been, uh, how they started creating content, what were the hiccups, what, what they would have told themselves when they got started just to figure out how we make the product better. But in those conversations, it's wild how many customers I talk to that it's like, oh yeah, I saw, I saw the people from the office and I like, I couldn't look away. And then I learned about you and, and now here we are. Right. It's the kind of thing that, you know, you could see 
uh, a family who sat down to kind of watch The Office, right, from season one to season nine, you know, kids seeing it appearing on their Instagram and, you know, wanting to share it with their mom and their dad. And as you met, you kind of touched on a, a little bit earlier, that kind of vira- that virality around the ad, you know, even though maybe it's being seen by people that aren't necessarily your target audience, that doesn't mean they're wasted eyeballs, right? Because they're sharing it which in turn is going to get it in front of someone who potentially is one of your target customers. Right. I, and I think, you know, our, our marketing spend is, it, it shifts a little bit, but prim, you know, usually it's about 80 to 85% uh, direct like conversion optimization and about 10 to 15% or 15 to 20% uh, just awareness, right? Because part, part of becoming the, the market leader that we we plan to to become. I mean, we're already leading so many different categories as related to training and onboarding and knowledge and SOPs and all that. But to to become the the unicorn company that we want to be, there's a level of, of inefficient spend that you have to stomach. An inefficient spend in, in air quotes because that's what what like your board or your you know finance guys might might look at and be like, why are you spending dollars here when you know you can get a customer spending that here? But that I feel like to a degree is, is, um, short-term play, right? Like you have to understand that part of becoming that, that massive company is establishing your brand in a conversational way that people who don't even use your product know who you are. And if you, it ever comes up in conversation, they can say, Oh, I heard about X, right? I heard about trainual here because of this and check it out. Right. It kind of leads into my next question, which is, you know, Clearly, I love this idea and I love this campaign. I love what you guys have done with it. It's just fantastic. But I can see how some businesses, in some businesses, it could be kind of viewed as a bit of a punt on the effectiveness and how it's going to hit the bottom line. Obviously, this was done on a smaller budget. But if you were to kind of go down the road of a full production, you know, really bringing in A-list celebrities and doing a full kind of scripted, you know, 90 90 second to two minute ad, um, it becomes a lot costlier, you know. What would be your advice to someone who wants to pursue a kind of campaign like this, but has to convince the board or convince the leadership team that uh, they should be taking a leap and assign the budget to something like this? The beauty of the office characters was that they were, you know, they're technically not A-list celebrities, but they have A-list recognition, right? So you might want to think through like, what what where are the places that feel culturally relevant to you like if you're if you're slicing the pie of pop culture like based on what your company does your product your service your your alignment your to your target you know customer and what they care about you should be pretty tuned into that and then it's like okay of the cross section of that what are the um, the artists, the musicians, the athletes, the actors, the, any celebrities or influencers that might might command wild recognition, right? Like you mentioned Friends. Could you get Gunther, right? I don't know what he costs, but yeah. but like everyone would recognize Gunther, but he, he's definitely not charging what Jennifer Aniston is. So um, so I'd, I'd like think about where you can start to kind of, pr- you know, prove the model, Um is one thing, but I would also just start with like influencers too, right? Even if you can't get a celebrity right off the bat, like if you haven't played played uh, in the influencer marketing game, like test that because you can find people that have 50,000 followers, 150,000 followers, 500,000 followers for a pretty palpable budget to actually do a campaign as long as their their cross-section of their audience is relevant for you and and start to measure like what is the, the lift off of that? Is it, what are you measuring? What do you care about? Is it audience? Is it... Um, 
you know, is it, is it leads? Is it uh, awareness? Is it conversions? Like what, what are you trying to get? But, um, you know, I don't, I know everything in marketing feels like it has to be measured and to like to merit allocating any substantial amount of budget to something, you have to be like semi comfortable with attribution and what you can prove. Um, so you have to like definitely understand how to like map your, you know, what, what this is going to do for your funnel, right? You can't just say, I'm going to spend $50,000 here and it's not going to get us any customers, but don't worry, it's good for the brand. It's like, well, what are you measuring? If it's not going to get customers, what are you measuring? How do you measure brand lift? How you do you measure the engagement or the audience growth off of that or the, or the association and the recognition and how do you parlay that to get press and more eyeballs? And like, there, there's always something to measure, even if it's not a straight line you know, revenue metric. So I think any business can go out there and they can cut a check to secure a celebrity endorsement if, if the price is right. But what would be your advice or do you have any thoughts on how a B2B business can find an appropriate link uh, to pop culture that makes sense for their brand and their storytelling, but that doesn't come across as corny? So you're, you're not always going to find something as perfect as like you know the alignment between the office characters and a office training software right but you kind of like it's great when you do but it's not absolutely necessary um it's funny this morning uh i was fl- flipping through just uh, i got out of bed i was going through some emails and then looked at instagram and i saw a um a video it was posted by lewis house i don't know if you know his podcast the school of greatness but he had a, a little clip of him with matthew mcconaughey who you just interviewed, and when I watched the clip from that, happened to click through to McConaughey, and in his bio, he says a few things that he cares about. In the, the last line of the bio, he just has pickle expert. My, my, my friend Russ happens to be the CEO of, and founder of Design Pickle, and I immediately texted Russ and was like, hey man, you should do something with, with Matthew. And, and he laughed and was like, well, what do you suggest? And we just kind of started spinning ideas around that, but it's like, you know, you wouldn't necessarily like have known to draw a line from Matthew McConaughey to uh, a graphic design services company, right? But just based on brand name and what that that influencer might care about or have fun, uh, you know, creating. And who knows if this is even going to happen? I'm just giving an example of like an idea um, of where you can draw a line, thinking less, again, less business to business and more person to person or business to person. Um, this is an example of like Matthew McConaughey would not have come up when you're searching for like graphic design influencers, but he likes pickles. So it'd be a fun tie in and a potential really cool campaign. Right. So I, I just, I think that again, just like look, look a level deeper into like who, uh, who the person is and what they care about. What are they already like psyched to share? Because you have a lot of celebrities that'll do partnerships and promotions because, uh, the dollars are are big enough, but they might not be amped about it, and that's not necessarily the the like where you want to be, right? You want them to like be excited to have been a part of that, and for there to be potential more legs to to that, and to really draw that alignment. And it's like it goes back to you know Ogilvy and the history of advertising, and and always like why were celebrities smoking cigarettes, right? Because it sells. Because there's a level of like. In order, especially today, where like consumer attention is being stretched from every different angle, and you have so much noise in your feed and in front of you, demanding like your your eyeballs and your ears, how do you cut through the noise? 
and you as that startup, small business, SaaS, like, you know, consulting company or whatever you are, uh, might not have the, the scroll stopping power that uh, somebody else that they already recognize and follow and love, right? And so that in and of itself is powerful just to like capture somebody's attention in their feed because they happen to see a face they recognize and not somebody else that's just trying to sell them with a product image. I want to I want to touch a little bit on the point you made around uh, every celebrity has their price, right? And you can sometimes face a little bit of backlash, you know, if you do secure an endorsement that is just not harmonious at all between what your product is and what that celebrity figure stands for. I think about finding finding that link that makes sense is just so important before you rush out and cut a check to get, you know, Mr. A-list, Mrs. A-list um, involved in, in promoting your brand. Any celebrity is not a silver bullet for, for any brand, right? It's just like, how much do you think Pepsi paid for Kendall Jenner to mm. like do that, that March rally ad that we saw at whatever Super Bowl two years ago, or, or I, I forget what it was for, when it was like, they, yeah. that got demolished. Everybody hated it. And she's like, She's got a, the most followers on on any platform, or I don't. She's probably passed now by like Charlie D'Amelio or something. But, um, but she's she's massive, and Pepsi's massive, and that deal must have been massive. But it didn't work, mm. right? So yeah, it's it, you're you're right. You need you need that creative link, and that's that's where, um, you know, having a creative storyteller on your team is is it really helps. You know, I, if you're going to find like going to hire a a copywriter or a content writer. Hire a comedy writer. Hire a script writer. Go to go to film school and get somebody who doesn't come from blogging, but who comes from like actually like writing scripts for for a TV show. Get them on your team. I've got two questions for you, and uh, and then I'll let you go. So, as a, as a business owner, what do you feel is the business benefit of stepping outside your comfort zone in B two B and taking more creative risks? Differentiation. I think I think that's the most important thing that that any business can do right now, especially going into a world where everything is is uh, you know clutter and chaos and and more and more people are trying to ditch their devices and voice is becoming more prevalent and you know in a year or two more and more people will will not be looking somebody up they'll be asking for it and um, and I think the only way to to have a, a brand that is established uh, and cuts through. Through that noise and through the the digital scape that's evolving into a different kind of landscape, a different media consumption scape, is uh, is creative differentiation. Final question: Can we expect to see Steve Carell on a future Trainual ad? Um, I I won't say no. I you know there's there's it's always possible. Yes. Jonathan, thank you so much for appearing on B two B Better. Where can people learn more about you? Yeah, this is a uh, super fun. Glad you reached out to chat. Um, you can find me on on really any platform, any social platform, just at Jonathan Ronzio. Um, I hang out on Instagram, LinkedIn, probably the most. Um, you can check out Trainual at Trainual dot um, But yeah, my my world and all things marketing and and music and mountains, um, just. Find, find me on Instagram or YouTube or, uh, or LinkedIn. Jonathan Ronzio, CMO and founding partner at Trainual. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And that's it for this episode of B2B Better. A huge thank you again to Jonathan for joining me today. Make sure you check out the ad from Trainual, which I'm linking in the description of this episode. You won't regret it. 
if you found this episode useful at all, just go ahead and leave a rating or a review or, you know, just shoot me a DM on Twitter telling me so. It'll make my day. And if you've got any questions or there's a burning topic that you'd like to hear me talk about on B2B Better, you can connect with me on Twitter at Jason R. Bradwell or LinkedIn. See you next time.